Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rules of Acquisition. I'm, I'm Hugh Crawford, one third of the Kickers of Elves. This is the Rules of Acquisition remix, uh, where we go over one one third of the, the hosts of the show uh, gives you a little commentary at the end of an old podcast episode. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about the Circle, which is the second act of a three parter. I think it's called the Leonalis Trilogy. Either Wade called it that, or they call it that on Memory Alpha. One of the two. Anyway, without further ado, here's the Kickers of Elves and the Rules of Acquisition on The Circle. You can sneak out the back, Jack. Oh yeah. You can get on the bus, Gus. Oh yeah. Just drop off the key. Lee. Oh yeah. There must be 50 ways to leave the honorary title of Navar. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of the world's absolute greatest ever film televised show in the history of all universes or something I, I, <laughs> with, with me as always is <laughs> james <Good> nolan <laughs> hey how's it going guys uh, it's going pretty good and we also have hugh crawford hi guys <laughs> sorry that was a uh, ringing endorsement that i just had there um guys how many times did you orgasm during this episode not, um, well, not because of the episode, right. but of, no, uh, <laughs> right, right. No, I don't know. Did you like? Did you find it orgasmically great? This was no. I'm just talking about it was. This was some steamy shit. Oh, One less oh time yeah, than sex Kira face. did. Yeah, yeah. I, I have right, so about sex. The name, of, <laughs> the name of this episode is the Circle. It originally aired on October third, nineteen ninety three. Uh, the IMDb description is Kira spins. Time with Vedic Burrell on Bajor, just as the circle begins arming themselves for a mysterious source. And like I alluded to earlier, there was a lot of sex dreams in this one. Yeah. Um, and like a two, lot of sex vibes. And like the most sexual tension uh, uh, obtained is not from the people having the sex dreams, but from two old people at the end of the episode. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right. Well, see, in the beginning of the episode, when they're saying goodbye, Vedic Burrell comes in and he's got those sex vibes just like when he walks into those rooms. I, it, maybe it's hard room. for me to feel that way because I feel that the uh, as much as I like the, the actor who plays Vedic Burrell seems like he's uh, like a pre-programmed actor Tron 5000. Hello, I am here to say my lines now. <laughs> right. and like, but like, okay, let's get into that because see, that's yeah, a, I thought that's it was like he choice. confused smoldering yeah, right. for that, creepy. <laughs> that's what it was. He's got his light, I think. But um, actually, I have I have some opinions about mm-hmm. that. Well, let's get right into it. <laughs> okay. So the, the the beginning of the episode is a cliffhanger from last week. Yeah, Kira has been uh, shipped off to Bajor, and the new guy. You know, uh, from, Lee uh, Nallis. Yes, is is the is the second in command on Deep Space Nine, and what happens? Everybody tries to say goodbye, and then Vedic Burrell suggests that Kira comes down and and has a vacation with with him for a while. I guess. 
<laughs> he wants to create a situation where she's possibly have a sex dream about him under the same circumstances that he had a sex dream about her. Right. It's all actually very creepy to me. <laughs> like it is. It is creepy. Uh, no, it is. Okay. It is but, very uh, creepy. We go in. And I think it's supposed to be sexy, but they don't know. They don't. Oh, know, their idea of sexy is different. Yeah, yeah. Like so I said, they. What could, I wrote it, in my notes. I'm sorry. Ahead, he confused smoldering for like like a sociopath, like <laughs> serial killer. Yes. Or so what I wrote in my notes because he's I don't know what he's doing. He's weird. He's making weird decisions. I think it's a deliberate choice. I think what he's going for, he's trying to go for tra- tranquil by being like measured in yeah. speaking, and it doesn't work. But he's, but he's yeah, he's coming off as uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Type, he like, thinks he's seven years in Tibet, and he's so wait. But I was gonna say the one thing I wrote in my note is that uh, I've been over the last course of the first season. I was a huge detractor, and then by the end, a big defender of Kira and or of specifically of Nana Visitor and her acting. And with this episode, I still think she's pretty good. But uh, I can see that in the second, like in acting two that she's gonna have to take the season. Like I can see that like they need to go over uh, French farce. And sex face, like because yeah. she she failed at both of those in this episode. <laughs> because there's like a uh, little yeah, oh, yeah the there's a little farcical scene, like this... sort of like a night at the opera kind of scene where like fifteen different people yeah when everybody's coming to say and, goodbye or whatever right it starts off a good like dramatic scene with Odo being like damn it well, how do you got to stand for this and you know because he respects somebody that has a code that they live by and then that's an argument. And then Dradzia Brink comes in, bringing back her lotion. And then I want my lotion, my lotion, my lotion. No, what do you say? Well, come in. Well, you should stay. No, you should go. You should stay. What do you say that? You know, it was like yeah, that yeah. sort of back and forth that, like, yeah, yeah, like it's. <laughs> so you guys, you guys didn't, you guys did not like that scene. I actually I, liked the scene. Okay. What? Well, no, James no, no. Okay, didn't. in the to their credit, was... they're trying things. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, they did go through the effort of doing it all in one take on set, even though they they uh, edited it up. Uh, they went and edited it in um, post. So uh-huh. that's a thing. It's just the same person, <laughs> the cinematographer that gets these long shots and then yeah, they they, fucking it up. And yeah, the editor is in. not paying attention to what they want <laughs> on the set. Uh, but uh, they did it all in one take, so that that was that took some theatrical training. It was it was fairly complicated from all the entrances and stuff. Uh, but it was pretty Kira centric, and like I, I like I just don't I don't I don't think it landed. And I think when farce goes bad, you can see bad writing. Because a lot of you know, because like I don't know, we've we've talked about it even in personal life, we talked about like. Aaron Sorkin a lot and he tries to do that too where there's lots of pitter patter dialogue and if you if it's not working you see that a lot of the pitter patter dialogue is nonsense or it's like someone interrupting but they're only interrupting because the uh, the writer needs you to say that beat at that moment not because the character has uh, anything yeah. to say and like good yeah, you see that you in see Sorkin, that in Sorkin, a, Sorkin lot. a lot. Yeah, that's very. And you see that in this scene too, where I felt like if you go back and like, why are they being? I mean, it, it's fine. They're 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 attempting comedy. They're attempting broad, right? Broad constructed comedy. So I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, 
Yeah, I think it works. A l- I it landed more with me than obviously with with you, James. I, I don't know it, how I Wade do, feels I, about it. I, it. I feel it's it landed somewhere in the middle. Like I thought the actors do a good, but yeah, like Dad Z is like, I brought your lotion back. It's like, what? Why are we talking about lotion, man? Like, and no, you can keep it. No, I don't. <laughs> okay, and then, that's weird. But they do a fine job with the script that they have and I then think it's O'Brien mostly comes weird in. because of season one O'Brien doesn't have a, I don't know what O'Brien's doing in there he's just like okay I'm here they add me into the scene because right. they were gonna have and he is not an actor he is not an actor to convey what because I guess he was in there to to give her like an aw shucks like I, I I didn't think I would like you but I like you and I respect you yeah. bye bye uh, and it, but it was like that was too emotionally loaded for what was needed because he was kind of coming in at the end. And these scenes need to kind of work like, well, it's going to be the theme of the of our podcast is that these scenes kind of need to work like an <laughs> orgasm. They need to build, you know. And like at that point, you don't want contemplative, right. you know, to come in. Or and I felt like he that made him seem yeah lost. yeah he seemed lost. And then and he's it's like, all working go- up. And it's all working up to this big explosion <laughs> to where then Echo right. 5000 comes in. Well, yeah. he just took the air right Odo out comes of in. Odo, Yeah. Odo's got yeah, better, like, vibe throwing. <laughs> he's like, I thought we could have it. Yeah, I get the feeling that, I, and maybe it's because he's French and probably has done a large degree of Moliere, but, uh, yeah, Re- Rene Abergenois uh, got the pacing down. Like, he needs, he he's where he needs to be. It was like a... It, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And this, the writer of this episode is Peter Allen Fields, who's probably the best writer on Star Trek. So, I mean, yeah. Sure. And then they, they're all lined up on either side. And, and then they're all the main cast is supposed to be like, Oh my God, do you feel the tension in the room between Burrell and, and Kira? And you're like, no, <laughs> but I see that you think that I should be no. feeling this. <laughs> Sexy tension. Yeah. They all had to telegraph I, that. Yeah, quite a bit, which I yeah, think it yeah. goes back. This is from 1993. He kind of looks like it's the same kind mm-hmm. of. Everybody talks about the sexual tension on, say, the X Files, and I think David Duchovny doesn't do that very. Well. Him is some Fox Mulder is just him talking like Burrell does here. He kind of mumbles in a monotone, and everybody thinks he's uh, sexy as fuck or something. I don't, but. That, I'm gonna say that after a year, after years and years and years of being a straight male, so not really te- technically understanding the appeal of David Duchovny, I'm just going to say that I've read and seen so much about the sex appeal of David Duchovny that I have to just kind of yeah, take it on. Fact. But I, you're like I have to, I have to take the world's world. <laughs> sure, word they're not all this. trying to trick me. I like, suppose. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I. Uh, this is where in the podcast that you all learn that um, I have a mental disease. I think the world has conspired against me. I'm a little bit schizophrenic. Um, David Duchovny, I could see where he is, but that I is David Duchovny even. But even I'm just saying, Fox Mulder, the way that he acts that role is like a lot to me. Like it's like. Hey, what do you what do you want? Uh, hey, Scully, you know I believe my sister got taken away, and you know, and it's just kind of monitored. But whatever, I'm. I think he's going for sure. smoldering, uh, is what he thinks he's being. That's I don't. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I just think it's interesting that these are around the same that these exist in the same time. They're trying to go for a Vedic Baral's trying to go for that sort of uh, easy 
I you think that he's right. trying to like co-op some of that in the zeitgeist? Yeah. yeah. But okay, but the scene where they're in the prophet dream where they're both naked and touching it and he comes up from Bond while she's naked and like and she makes sex faces and he makes like going to guess sex faces. Um, they don't look like they've ever, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's they, how, uh, Bajorans have sex. <laughs> I don't know. We, we assume they're just so, they look so human-like, but maybe it's actually really weird. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, but, like, uh, uh, I'm gonna say that, like, I don't, um, like, they look like they weren't touching, they had never touched a human being before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that it was just that they weren't comfortable on set. And I, I think that that was a thing, something that needed to be changed in. Right, right. Like on the day of shooting, like they needed to take a moment. So, yeah, the stage, you know, let them be comfortable, you know, like th- that seemed like that's what that was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Instead yeah, of, we, I don't know, the best they could do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is the foreplay. <laughs> so I want to talk about like, is it weird that they're because this comes up with both of the popes possible popes in this episode <laughs> you put on a little sydney fuck. opera house hat and be good to go that's not like a problem and they can apparently fuck outside of the bounce yeah of well i think and that's fine if you're world building yeah but like i felt like i i wasn't set up for that i mean i i've seen this before so i was but it felt like that 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 still feels weird to me that maybe they need to like examine what are the constraints and limits of a priest in their order. Right. Well, it's, it's, it, you know, it's a Star Trek version of religion That's where right. Star Trek is, has never been afraid of sex. And they're You're trying bringing to all your it. human foibles to the situation, James. You just need to chill out and well, get a robe on and <laughs> sure. But I watched this show under my, my, my human foibles. There's a, there's a reason why all of the politics have basically fallen along like Palestinian Israeli lines. It's because it's something we can understand. Like, yeah, but even Jaro says at one point later, near the end, it's like when he's talking about how great Bejor is, is that Bejor brought art and architecture to all the rest of the galaxy and stuff was one of the first. Which is an inconsistency because I thought whenever they got taken over by the Cardassians, they were like new to space travel. Like I know that their civilization predates humanity, but I didn't think that they're that like they were taken aback by the Cardassians because they were still yeah. like, so backwards technologically. It's so li- you're right. That's a little unclear. Or was um, it maybe they weren't necessarily taken aback tech maybe it was kinda like Athens in ancient Greece, where it was like that was the city. No, state I think that, that the only reason why they were able to to take over is because they didn't have any way to. It's I not don't that think they, they had the were military. Technical. It wasn't necessarily that they were technologically backwards or anything. It's just they were such a peaceful culture based on art and architecture and stuff. Maybe so. What's sure. a militaristic kind of culture comes in, it can just you know mop they're, the floor with them because they're. Planet- they're they're planet France. Right. Well, there is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're based on art and artistry and culture and sex. Apparently is yeah. not something yeah. that got drained, drilled into them with their religion as being something that you can't do. Cause they're like this artsy fartsy French planet. That's had 10,000 of years, hundred years of development and they've developed their religion, but also enough that they're not 
religion's not afraid of sex, apparently. Yeah, you can apparently, the priests can fuck who they want to, but if they're going to let the person they fuck look inside a box, they have to send a written letter to Congress. Right. So, just as a courtesy. Right, but, and then Varel's like, oh, nobody ever does that, and then Nurse Ratchet, uh, she does. She goes full nurse ratchet in this, where she goes she like, does. "Oh, okay," and then is actually you know nice and passive aggressive and bitchy. Uh, yeah, that passive aggressive shit. Just she just oozes. That. Yes, that's, yeah, that's her. That's that actress. I mean, that Louise, Louise Fletcher. Fletcher. That, is her, that is her superpower, man. She can. Uh, she's been doing that for years. And <laughs> yeah, at yeah. least two things I've seen. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. When they brought her in, they're like, "Oh, wait a minute. She's you know." This is what she's known for. We're going to use her. They knew what they were getting there. So, yeah. So, it turns out that they there's a lot of, like, sort of back and forth with trying to, like, get Kira back on this ship. That seems to be, like, their main issue at the beginning. Right. Is getting Kira back, you know. And, obviously, she's a cast member, and she's right, you know, right. want her back. So, that's fine. And, obvious, and, obviously, the weakest reveal, like, in the world, where it turns out that the person that they they hired, Frank Langella, Hammer, Hammer Villain, to play was the bad guy. Like, <laughs> right. So, I don't think, I, I mean, Frank Langella, I've seen him in a lot of things, and I don't think I've ever seen him not be the bad guy or something. <laughs> right. So, uh, it turns out he's the leader of the provisional government and also, secretly, the leader of the Circle, which are the the... The rebels that are yeah, trying to take make Bajor great again. Bajor for, yeah, the Bajor for Bajor. And basically, their their job is to drive the Federation out. Right. So that was there. He kidnaps Kira. And they, yeah. I'm sorry. And Wait, just like yeah. just like um, I won't say who, but in a certain in a, a real world parallel, the the circle is all these people Bajor for Bajorans. And they're actually working against their better interests, self-interest, <laughs> by going to this back-to-basic kick-everybody-out because they're secretly yes. a pawn of the Cardassians. Yes. So, yeah. And as um, a very intricate sequence of events, the like little bit of spy show happening where they uh, sneak Odo onto the ship yeah. to find out how he's doing it. And, by the way, Odo in that sequence hides as a sticker manifest a manifest sticker on a sh- on a box with printed right. with printed label with printed writing on it so if he's that good at shape shifting why can't he make a better nose well he can turn into a rat with all the individual hairs and everything <laughs> yeah. so i mean that's that's <laughs> I mean, harder that's, than a sticker i think yeah it's all very it's all very i i think that it's a ham-fisted metaphor for him trying to achieve humanity. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't, and it doesn't, it doesn't work because he's so yeah. good at shape-shifting. Yeah. Like the th- it's not like he, he doesn't look like a lumpen rat like thing. Like he looks like a lumpen human like thing. Right. He, well, yeah, which he, it's less that he's bad at shape-shifting. It's more like he's got a mental block. Wow. Blah. against it yeah that would that, be my yeah, argument. i think that's what it is yeah that, that could work that he doesn't want to ever truly achieve yeah i mean he, he should see a shrink about it and then maybe he'll be able to like get through his issues because he's got a lot of issues if he worked yeah. through them maybe he'd uh be able to have a real nose but um <laughs> in there and so so all of that it turns out that the the cardassians are selling them the guns because both the cardassians and the circle want the federation gone 
what the circle doesn't realize is that the Federation or the Cardassians will just steamroll over the Bajorans again. They think that they're getting weapons from the Krasari, which are pretty good makeup on those aliens. Yeah, it wasn't bad. <laughs> and, yeah. But it turns out the Krasari are in cahoots with the Cardassians because Odo sneaks in, turns into a label, then a rat while they're... Uh, while O'Brien is stalling, keeping them in the docking bay port. Well, and we finally get the reveal that we were waiting for from the previous episode, which is why did Gul Dukat let them get away with those prisoners? It was a trap that the, the Cardassians were. Was it? Because uh, yeah. I just still don't, because... Yeah, they, I think that that's... They're playing a long game. They're, they were... We're back in these rebels. I thought so too, but then at the same time, Minister Jaro, who is the guy that's been pulling all the strings, he's been the Emperor Palpatine behind the circle the whole time. Even Minister Jaro didn't actually want Lee Nallis back. He's like, oh, you brought this guy. Because he's like, oh, well, he didn't want him around because he knew that Lee Nallis could actually unite the people. So mm-hmm. he's like, ah, oh, shit. Well, that's when I'm just going to throw him on the space station so that I can't have him on Bajor screwing up my game. Right. I'm not saying that that was a part of the Cardassians plan. I'm just saying that when it happened, they didn't go to war with oh, Bajor. Oh yeah. Because yeah. they knew they could sit back. Right. And yeah. The, the big question is why didn't they, they, they declined on the war. Why? Well, the reason why they, is because they could, because they, that they, would the reason re- why is because they could, it doesn't get rid sit of the back. Right. Right. Yeah. You're, you're totally, you're and, and exactly, totally correct. There. So, that's from the first episode yeah. whenever we were kind of scratching our heads thinking that, well, that was a little bit too easy. That's why it was too easy. Yeah. And I feel like as the show goes on, it's probably going to get harder and harder to sort of detect what are true Cardassian motives, you know, because mm-hmm. they're so duplicitous and they're so complicated as the show goes on. Like, but I think that like, it's, this is like, the, this is case in point. They are clearly still have designs. Yeah, especially now that the wormhole's there. Like, they probably would have never left if they you know, knew that the wormhole uh, was there. They kidnap Kira. Uh, the, the Jaro tells him right. that he wants to know what Cisco would is going to do, and he's going to torture her until she can answer him. But uh, they have a pretty classic Star Trek uh, yeah. rescue. Yeah, like uh, no, it just has that classic sort of cool uh, beam down shot. You have people, yeah. It was like a lot of little complicated things and a classic beam down, and then like a you know they go in there and it's it's a pretty classic little rescue. And I I I thought it was it felt like Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah, it felt like Star Trek, but I have a few quibbles. The angry nerd corner, I guess. Okay, (laughs) Okay, it's just last just (laughs) last episode where we had a rescue mission where. O'Brien and Kira are trying to rescue Yuli and Alice, and they're like, oh, we have to land on the planet because we can't teleport that many people at once. They can only teleport like two or three people at a time. Yet they teleport down to go rescue Kira, like a whole squadron of like five to seven Didn't people. did they do it straight from the station, though? Maybe that's the... Pa- no, that was a, that's yeah. another interesting thing I noticed in this that I wanted to point out. Like, oh, wait a minute. When Kira leaves and at the opening scene with Cisco, she's like, she's asking, he's like, oh, it's good to have you here. I, I'm going to get you back. And she's got an emotional permission to disembark because you can't teleport from the station to Bajor because it's not close enough. They have to take a shuttle 
to get from you can't just teleport to Bejar. Everybody has to take a shuttle to get there. Like they're leaving off of, you know, docking port C or pad right. C. So they have to take That's the flaw. That's what they didn't. Because they said because they didn't send O'Brien on a runabout. They said, O'Brien, I want to see your cool, fancy old trans you know, like they played him oh, up from the next right. generation. He said, I want to see your slide transport. Yeah. So clearly in the show, they well, clearly in the show, O'Brien's on Need No, Space no, Nine. no. Cause no, because even before then, like oh, when they're talking about who all they're gonna take and Lee and Alice is like, no, I need to go too. He's like, oh, we got to mm-hmm. run about on transport or docking pad C. And they all they all go, they don't teleport off. They all go to the runabout. And then there's even a shot, shot of the ship taking off from the pad and the, going the, off. But I'm saying O'Brien's not on that ship. Oh, he's, he goes with them. O'Brien's then. running the transport. Yeah. I thought O'Brien was running the transport from Ops. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was on the ship, ship too. I thought no, I'm pretty sure yeah, he was because they all take Cisco a little unit because he he's like him on the ship because of the fancy transport skills. But then, the, but here's the here's the sort of time thing on this. Oh, this is super angry nerd corner. But we're gonna, <laughs> let's do this uh, because the next time you see her, it's like the immediate afterwards, and she's panicking, like "Get off me! It's not messing yeah. with me. The blood's fine. Like I gotta like we gotta go warn Bajor." They're not on a runabout. They're on Deep Space no, Nine. No, they they took them. They transported them onto the runabout, and they went back to Deep Space so Nine. So she took all that time. She cooled off, and then like by the time they got to Deep Space Nine, then she panicked. I think she was panicked because uh, they well, went she was, straight to sick bay instead of warning everybody. Yeah, they went straight to sick bay, and she's gotten the shit beat out of her, and her face is all messed up. And he's trying to give her a root canal yeah. or something, and she's like, "No, no." But it seems like they just they teleported her straight yeah, to from sick the runabout. Bay. They right? do that from the runabout. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I obviously the runabout didn't occur to me when I was watching the show. No, I know that like I think about it. Even when they go before they even go to the runabout, like um, Cisco says to Lee Alice, Jadzia and O'Brien can handle ops from here. I think. Yep. So, well, so that's, that's what I thought that's too. So Something weird. about it was also that, yeah. But then he's like, or yeah. I guess the, the details really don't matter Brian because can, the people who are making the show just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, some Star Trek shit's happening. You know, they're yeah. just trying to move but the they, ball yeah, down. Clearly, Star Trek shit make it happen. Yeah, yeah. But they did get on a shuttle to go transport for the rescue mission. I, I, Yeah, I think I believe you there. So they tell, he tells somebody, Cisco says, well, somebody just gets Akira. He doesn't tell Bashir, but he should have just told Bashir, since you don't have a gun, go straight to her. <laughs> but uh, he hands him out. But anyway, so Bashir gets there, and he's supposed to put the comm badge and then immediately call O'Brien, because they're just there to get her. Right. Once they get her and they all leave, they don't have to shoot no mo- motherfuckers. But, like, he takes forever. He, like, undoes her, like, hand ties and makes her stand up. No, you can do all that back on the runabout and or Deep Space Nine. Like, you don't have to actually do that, like, at that moment. But he does all that, and they show two people get shot. Two Bajoran Deep Space Nine officers get shot while he's fidgeting with her. And doesn't he get shot? (laughs) Doesn't he take a little blast, maybe? I don't remember. Somebody takes a blast. Yeah, Yeah, Julian took a shot. He got knocked. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's because he didn't do his job. (laughs) Just put it on there. Yeah. Nobody died. Well, thank God the circle had their phasers on stun. Right. I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, they they make such a big deal about them handing out all these phaser rifles, and then yeah, but they're not as good as a 
Federation phaser. So then um, Lee Nallis wants to con- is going to give a big speech to Congress, uh, but they find out that their communications are blocked. And then uh, Cisco's like, I need to call Admiral Chicote. I want to talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah I, I wrote. Yeah, me too. So what's is that just yes. the name that they wanted to There's use, no or is he related? Oh, okay. No, no I was like, but so, clearly that guy was not like Native American. He's like, so they have a board somewhere in the writers' room with names they want to use, and someone used Chicote but didn't right. take it off the board. <laughs> The Voyager writers come by and use it. <laughs> like maybe Chicote like, in the twenty third century. It's like being Smith or Jones. There's so yeah, many Chicotes out there. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I'll, that, I choose to do that because that sounds like that makes the future look more fun. So. <laughs> right. Oh, we did skip earlier on. There was a scene where Cisco goes and helps the military. Of oh, Bajor. that was a great scene. That is a great scene. That actor, by oh, the way, yeah, who yeah. plays the head right. of the military of Bajor, was the guy that got the guy that got turned down when Patrick Stewart got Picard. Like he was uh, literally like in the he was on stage. Like like the final two was was Patrick Stewart and that guy to play Picard. Oh wow! So, yeah, he did a good job. Yeah. I mean, that was a good scene. Yeah, he's a working actor. He does the set design was really yeah. good and. That was a good scene. I think it you was, were getting uh, a taste. I felt like we were finally getting a taste of yeah. what, oh, yeah. what the show could be in moments like that. That's a good point. That the, the like, if you want to know what season six feels like, it feels like a mm-hmm. series of those scenes. Mm-hmm. And it did a good job with like fleshing out Cisco's character. The guy's like, as soon as I know anything, I'm going to let you know. But oh, by the way, can you get me Kira back? It's like no. It's like wait, you could have tried to you know leverage me getting Kira for you for this information. He's like, no, I wouldn't do that. It's like, Oh, okay. He's a good guy. Okay. <laughs> Which I like, just from the writerly part of it, I like the way it could have, I mean, you're right, it was that he was like, oh, well, that, that Cisco's an upright guy. But if it turns out that the military guy's an asshole, like, it could turn out that, oh, yeah, Cisco's a sucker. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, like, it could have went either, like, you don't, like, until you know more about that character, you don't know how that moment was taken. But that was the best scene in the movie. Yeah, it was, it was Cisco's way of, of showing that there's a new player on mm-hmm. the board. Like, well, maybe in all of this, the Federation and Cisco himself is an afterthought to everybody in in that situation. But after that exchange, he's he's announced that he's yeah. Could that be the, the point of this three-parter? That's an interesting – because I haven't thought about it that way. I is think that Because so. it seems like they think of the Federation as not like pussies, but like they're peacekeepers. Like, so, like – God, making another Middle Eastern illusion here, but kind of like the U.S. and like Libya or in Lebanon, when like if you if you hurt them, if you kill some of their guys, they're probably going to go home. Yeah. You know, they're not really committed to fighting here. They're just going to stand on the wall and hopefully nobody like attacks them, you know, but if someone does, they'll probably go home. That seems to be both the Cardassians and the circles belief on the situation. And to be honest, it's actually exactly what Commander or, or, uh, Admiral Chakotay tells him to do. Right. But so not from being a because it's not not out of weakness, but just because it's the Prime it's, Directive commands that they. Yeah, not but interfere. I don't think that I don't think that that looks different to the fighters. Oh, the it doesn't. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's a good question about the Prime Directive, though. I think that it that was an illustration of like the Prime Directive is kind of whatever we yeah. want it to be in the moment. But you know, that Admiral wanted to to just rip and yeah. run, right? Just take our stuff and leave. 
So I'm yeah. going to pull the prime directive out. Well, that's, that was the thing is this, I mean, you think about like, this has been set up for multiple, like two seasons of, of next generation. And two, right now you're in the second season of this show where this piece has been bartered between the Federation and Cardassians. They've had to move the Maquis. Wesley Crusher left the fu- Like, you cause the Maquis, Maquis, which I know they haven't been introduced yet. Wesley Crusher ends up resigning his commission, and, and all of these different people resign their commission, all for this peace treaty. But this one guy, Com- Admiral Chakotay, is basically going to crush that in a moment. He's going to undo it all because he has a bad feeling about it. Because, like, maybe a hundred Federation members might get killed. Now, I'm not saying... Yeah, no, he's, he's looking at it, though. If they, Bajorans, they have their own independence, they can do what they want. If, as a unit, they decide they don't want us, we don't have any right to say, nope, you've got us, whether you want us or not. Like, they got to respect the wishes of the... But there's no but way that was for the whole point, them is to that garnish. It was how he interpreted them as a unit. That, that yeah. like, he interpreted... Because the circle could be, yeah, because the circle could be a minority right. of the people, just the minority of the people he with the He just chose to look at them as the voice of the people. Yeah, and and that it's a civil war, and it's civil yeah, war, yeah. and we're in danger, so we're going to rip and run. That, that's, a, that's a rather unnuanced, right. I mean, I know that this is Cisco's point, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, the show is saying Admiral Chakotay's a They definitely are. I still stand by, like, they're just doing right by the Prime Directive, but then that's what's good about Cisco is that he's like, well, he's good at bending the Prime Directive went for what, you know. Yeah, because I love that scene, because they make it clear that he has an option, because he just says, how quick could we uh, evacuate this station? Miles O'Brien's like, 25 minutes or something, like, right. he says, like, three hours. A week, oh, yeah. Week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can get out in a couple hours. It's like, oh, wait, wait no, that's not the answer I wanted. Um, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if we wanted to delete all of our software, empty all all the trash bins like you know he was like if we had to do everything how long could it take and he was like oh well, as long as you want it to <laughs> yeah, <really."> weeks. <laughs> and he's like well that's how long it's gonna have to take right take as long so, as and, uh as nurse ratchet invited kira to stay at with oh, vedic barrel it's like oh you stay can as stay long as long as you, as you want. want a whole Maybe week if you to- want like yes. perfect nurse ratchet passive aggressive i love yes she's such a i don't know like, I bet she is really, like, <laughs> That's a I don't think she's passive-aggressive, like, I, I'm not saying that. But I bet that she knows, like, like I bet that she made suggestions on script. <laughs> oh, right. These guys, because it seems like passive-aggressive is a hard thing to write, I would imagine, for these writers. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, that was a really, that was a stay as long as you like, even all the way up to a week. I mean, yeah. that is such a classic. So, uh, it's automatically putting a cap on what is respectable for Right. Her. And uh, while we're at this scene with, uh, with Cisco talking about uh, how long it would take to get all the things out, he says, "How long would it take us to get all Federation material?" And I noticed it because my my subtitles wrote oh, material yeah. in this fancy language. Wait, <laughs> like, you watch like, the show with the subtitles on? I always watch the show. I, I watch everything that I can with really? subtitles on. Yeah, I mean, you, there's nuance. I don't know. Do you hate subtitles? No. Well, I mean, I don't have to watch it all the time, so it's just it's just there. So it's like, an American show where like. You can understand everybody clearly. So I, I understand it's not Deadwood, but still, like it. Sometimes it's like helpful. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to bring everything to a a, ground, a grinding halt, but I, that sort of surprised yeah. me. I do. I only do it like if it's loud or if I want it. It's like ah oh, shit. I wanted to hear what that person said. I got a house full of kids. So sometimes yeah, like, it makes sense. Sometimes that uh, like right. they don't they don't ruin the show. <laughs> like I, if I don't hear what he's saying, <laughs> if I don't hear him say material, I know that he says it because. 
<laughs> right, right. No, I think your answer was succinct enough. I have a house full of kids. I was like, okay. Yeah. But so does Hugh, yeah. Well, Hugh's got more, but, but no. Uh, so the two ships are going to come and attack Deep Space Nine, which, like, isn't much of a threat, I assume. Uh, and they got to thwart, they, not thwart the Prime Directive, but they're definitely going to yeah, yeah, yeah. circumvent the Prime Directive. Circumvent yeah, so, so that's so that's what the episode is. It's not a lot, I mean, like, it's not a complete story. It's not even the beginning. It's the middle right. of the story. This is a, yeah, it's a yeah. three-part. Yeah, we got Act 2 it's, today. How many three-parters has, like, Next Generation done by now? I don't uh, think none. Yeah, none. They're, they're two and done at the most. Yeah, they, or, like, at yeah. the end of a season, they'll have a cliffhanger and then open up and resolve it, and then next in the season opener. The next, yeah. So, I mean, this show ends up, like, this show has three-parters, five-parters, eight-parters. I think it ends in a ten-parter. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. Yeah, um... So that's that's how Deep Space Nine works. Uh, it's the later seasons of Enterprise take up the oh, multi-parter okay. thing. The Brent Spiner art on Enterprise is a three-episode art. Uh, okay, but by then, by the time Enterprise comes around, we've already had the Sopranos. Yeah, 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 they're, and everything. So they're trying furiously to catch up. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a different landscape for television. Exactly. Where mm-hmm. you know, in 1993, doing a three-parter arc, and you know, it's not quite. Each each one of these three parts. This is a syndication show, just like uh, it's not on it, right? Yeah. Just like it's being sold by stations. So right, it right. It's balls to take a syndicated show and have three part like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they are pretty succinct kind of blocks. Like the first one is just uh, Lee Nallis go rescue him, mm-hmm. but then it it blends over. This one is probably the most kind of not complete one. I'm guessing. Yeah. Because the next one is just the siege is the name of the episode. I don't think I'm spoiling anything that, for this 20 year old show, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's they're under siege. So it's also you know it's the continuation of the story, but in uh, some sense it kind of stands on its own. And they're going to have the previously on Star Trek: The Strange Nine where they just kind of you know give you the cliff notes. But it's still interesting that this we got a three parter here. Yeah, things are going really yeah. well so far. I mean, so it's it it seems to be working. The one critique that I know that I was reading something that Peter Allen Fields believes that they're like the sort of the fatal flaw of this whole arc, and this mainly in this episode is that they they lost the thread. This isn't like Lee Nallis's arc, which I think they wanted it to be. Like, I think that so they lose that yeah. sort of because he's in like essentially two scenes. Yeah, that's really like you know, his, half of his lines are what? if I could help out, I'll do anything to help out. <laughs> like, and I fully expect to see him in a corner with a mop but and just, just cleaning up, right? Because he's just so desperate to help out anyway. Uh, anybody need to clean up the holodeck? So. Yeah, I think that they were going to portray him from what I was reading from Peter Alifields is that they were going to portray him as less good natured. Like he yeah. was an accidental symbol of honor, you know, symbol of Bajor. But deep down, it's not that he's like a asshole, but he's like assholishly trying to gain a type of freedom that he didn't have. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, so like, sort of towards the end, you know, like that, like rebel, like I ain't here to, I ain't here to fight your wars. I just want to go off and find, you know. And there's at some point where he realizes every that, time somebody walks into a room to talk to him, he's got one leg out a window. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like looking uh, looking over his shoulder he's got one leg out the window that's basically his whole character he's making rope out of a out of bed sheets right, out of bed on a space station he's making rope out of bed <laughs> he's, he's yeah he's gonna rip right. that water fountain yeah. up and then just rip that, out the that's... window 
when that's, uh, that's what Nurse Ratchet uh, comes for him. Yeah. But that gets lost because of this whole episode. He just spends all of his time seeming like a, you know, like a good guy, not not the guy you'd want running your spaceship, but a good yeah, guy. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that's because just because they they're not so insecure with having these long arcs, and they're like, how do we break this up to have the second part also be something that stands by itself in case someone didn't watch that last episode? It's, and they're like, maybe we can't do as much with Lee Nellis because they don't know this character, so we're just going to do this other stuff. I don't know. I think probably the answer is things just move fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, like I think like that probably it's like that's what Rick Berman thought. That's what. Ira Bear and Peter Allen Fields thought was going to happen with the character, but by the time like people are making decisions and you know like why are these decisions being made? Nobody knows why, but this is just what's happening. And they got to you know they got to shoot a new, they got to shoot the siege next week. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. you know I think that probably it's like they don't really that seems to be like sometimes shows just don't when they don't have a handle on the direction. I mean, you don't have a strong mm-hmm. creator, or your creator is spending more time t- trying to pitch a. The, uh, Star Trek Generations movie to Paramount than to try and work on your show. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. like, I think that that's probably what just happens is that decisions are being made and nobody knows who's making them. And, and it, everybody's not on the same page. So I think that's probably, because right. this actor, I mean, wanna, you want to think that maybe the actor, Lee Alice, is just too good natured of a guy. But no, he plays a creepy evil fucker on Twin Peaks. So, like, he could play that creepy evil fucker. Oh, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like that's not within his, his wheelhouse. He's just not choosing not to do that for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Someone's telling him not. So, like, I just think the thread was lost. It's just not on the page, I probably. I think that, I mean, I think that what's going on is probably a conflict in the writer's room on where to take the character. And they just compromised. And they ended up with oatmeal. You know what I mean? It's just kind of bland and... I guess if modern golden age television has taught us anything, it's when you compromise in the writer's name, never compromise by let's make him nicer. Let's make him, uh, his goals pure, you know, like you can do that with a character, but that has to be your vision. That can't be like, you can't just, everybody can't default. For <laughs> yeah. Being your good you know guy. what? In, in recent history, the only time that the go- the pure goal, uh, motive has actually worked is Fargo where your characters, that's, that's like the only thing I've seen to, yeah. to pull that off. And that is almost so baked yeah. in the cake. Like even when you're watching the movie Fargo, like the goodness of the Francis McDormand character, and and it's over in the show too. Those the goodness of the, the cops and all three versions of it. Well, that's are, what seems like such an incredible trick. To, like whenever I you heard that they were going to make a TV show out of it, you're just like, <laughs> good luck with that. And yeah, then exactly. you watch it and you're like, oh, this is probably some of the most amazing television I've seen in my entire life. No, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, and but, and that's yeah, the, and yeah. that goodness is there, but that's like you know that's such a part of the show. Right. I guess um, that's my point is that it's it's easier to have the anti-hero. It's like low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, and so like I I mean not everything has to be Breaking Bad. You <laughs> right. know, like not everybody it has to be where everybody just right. It's well, contrasting that against yeah. the badness of other people too. Yeah, you know? yeah, especially nowadays. Yeah, well, I think it's just a reversal of what the old yeah. wisdom was that probably back in the nineties before. Like, oh wait a minute, we can't make this guy unlikable. Quick, give Quirk a song <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> well, okay, that's the thing is that it, with mm-hmm. all of feel like if the you have this thing where bad guys are more compelling than good guys, so you have to like really work at making good guys compelling and i you know so it's easier like i don't think they meant for quark to be the most famous character on the show but you know he's a duplicitous asshole and that's fun to watch and as 
politics has shown us duplicitous assholes can get pretty far <laughs> in this world. Sure. And, like people kind of just like it. And and I and I think it's because you know that something is going to happen. Like part of you just wants to see how far this will go. I think it clicks yeah. when you're watching something like Breaking Bad when you realize that Walt is kind of a creepy asshole. You know, and it's not like the first episode, it's later on. But when that happens, you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm 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 hooked because I don't know what this guy's going to do. And I think that with Lee Nallis, you could have done that as you didn't know what this guy was going to do. Right. Like if he was, you know, like a rebel, uh, like not a rebel, like in that, like, I I don't I don't want to do anything. Fuck you guys, you know, and kind of like chip on his shoulder. Like, I think that it makes it a little bit more electric, even though, you know, yes, this is going to follow a traditional story form and he's going to rise up and be the hero that everyone thinks he is. I don't I don't even remember the siege, but I assume that's where it's right. Yeah, I don't don't know. either. like, I don't I don't remember. He probably dies at the end. I don't know. (laughs) I don't remember this episode. Yeah. Make him a Han Solo or something. Yeah, exactly. Make him. Yes. Han Solo. Like, didn't mean to be here. Don't give a shit. I'm going to go home. You know, and then it turns out that he does. He saves Luke at the, you know, at the last. Yeah, yeah. That's not my critique, though. That's not my thing. I would. Should we change. get into that? I mean, I don't have a whole lot else to change. Yeah, it'd be good if they give him a better. I, art. Huh? I have. I've two. got. I, oh, you've got enough for. You've got enough for Wade then. Uh, okay. I've got enough for uh, Wade and me. Yeah, I got two, and I don't want to make the decision to change. One of which we just skipped over is that uh, in the first scene. And this is a, this is a nitpick, but it. It really bothered me for like a while, like both times I watched it. Uh, it's probably the most powerhouse acting we've seen in Deep Space Nine in a while. You have Frank Langella and Avery Brooks in a scene doing a good yeah. job. It's uh, it's as good as Picard and David Warner in Chain of Command. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. When he's talking about that old aphorism about hot air from Manicore. <laughs> that, that's what I want to like. That is not an aphorism. Hey, it's, that is not the thing that said the hot wind from Minicoy. And I looked it up and I was like, maybe it's something I just haven't heard of. And so I looked it up on Google and there are everything that came up was on question sites where people were saying, is this a saying? It's a <laughs> saying a thing from the people- future that hasn't happened yet. That's <laughs> I few, actually appreciated the, that because they're always going back on Star oh, Trek sense. and throwing yeah. back and throwing <laughs> no, out this like they don't have any cultural references for anything before 1992. Right. <laughs> you know, you're right. Everything is 20th century lore, 20th century, 19th century lore and interests. They dress up like Robin Hood. They do Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. They talk about Mark Twain. They don't talk about any of the culture between. The 20th century and the 24th century. I get it. But when you do that, it's fucking weird. <laughs> and when he was saying that there's an old line, there's a, and he makes this statement, and it sounds like gobbledygook. And he, okay, so Minicoy really is a place. It's an island off of India. It really, it's a small island, barely inhabited, but it is a place. And uh, I don't like, but it's so weird. And he says it like it's supposed to mean something to me. Maybe that's where um, Khan came from. He's 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 <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so what would you Maybe change? Maybe it has to do with the eugenics I would, war. I would I make know. that an aphorism that was normal. Like, <laughs> I would not make that a space aphorism. You make it, would, you, you wanted space. him to throw in another baseball reference? <laughs> nah, yes, yes. No. no, like I just like if he could have made any number of like nor, but when. But it's like the whole scene changed because then he had to explain it. But like, I felt like he was explaining it to me as well as as <laughs> I appreciated it. They threw I, a little bit of another from okay. the future in, but it was just such a weird. It was like, confusing though. 
because yeah, it's not now. it's not our past; it's his past, <laughs> and I don't right. make it. You know, so okay, so that would just that was weird, and I, the fact that there were literally fifty Yahoo answers like responses <laughs> on it was just very strange. Any answer site had this as like one of the questions posted at some point. That's funny. So, um, so that that was like because I was like, maybe it is something I've just never heard it, and and maybe they assumed that it was like everybody's gonna not have heard this, but assume that ever everybody else has. Yeah, yeah. Well, they 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 didn't. chose. They were right. They did. I think it's worth it just for the fact that everybody's looked it up on Yahoo. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious to me. It sun people fear is flung people furiously to the internet. No, okay. So a more I was more serious story chain thing thing that i would change is that i feel like it really sort of squanders the reveal that the head of the provisional government is is a bad guy like it kind of comes like at the 22nd minute and like it comes in like it's dealt with in like a way that's kind of like oh he just comes in full bond villain and like let me explain my plans and like if that if that was revealed in that weird sexually field scene with nurse ratchet that i don't think we've talked about where they're clearly, he's fucking the conservative space pope. And they oh, have yeah. this really great scene together about like all of their manipulations and what they're going to do. Like if that was the reveal that he was a member of the circle, I feel like that. And I don't know how you write that from a, like, cause you have to move a bunch of moving parts around in that story. That would have been interesting though. If they're like, Oh, there's somebody in there's someone for, on the provisional government is the leader of the circle. It was like, we would have figured out it was him. You know, the way you yeah. do that is you have another character to, that's a misdirect. That's, that's a misdirect. Of some that's sort exactly right. That you. Th- oh yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, you make him, you make them think yeah. it's the, the, military. Um, yeah. the military yeah. guy that Cisco talks to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause he's like not moving. He's like, Hey, why do you keep pulling back instead of engaging the circle? And then you could throw in a lot of suspicion there. Like, Oh, like, and maybe he does something and you think he's the leader of it, but nope, it's actually Jaru. I feel like we've, I've seen this cave so many times. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You don't, this doesn't look familiar to you, O'Brien. You've surely been here before. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Classic. Be here again. Classic Star Trek (laughs) cave. Yeah. I, uh, mm-hmm. I I bet that the set designers for the uh, CBS the upcoming CBS show are really excited about getting to design that cave that they're inevitably going to have. I think every, every, every Star Trek series has had that cave, right? I, I can think of, yeah. I mean, and not been, and not a little bit. I mean, a even lot. Enterprise had the cave. I mean, it is the go-to planet or down beam down to the planet. And and as being as a person who's lived on a on a Terran like atmosphere for thirty six years, very little time spent in caves. In real life, um, Wade, was it? What did? What do you want to change? Anything? I didn't really have a whole lot. I mean, I think fixing um, uh, Lee Nalis's arc into the whole thing would be good. But I mean, it's harder for me to figure it out for this because this is like I feel like we're only I'm only talking exactly. about one third yeah. of the actual story. You yeah, know? your your head critiquing I, of it is almost like a like not like it's a whole story, but like a second act critique, I guess. And so you don't really know what you, because I haven't seen the third act, you know, so. I like that Odo talks to a Magic the Gathering card. That's what (laughs) I was going to say the exact same thing. That's exactly what that looks like. (laughs) For some reason, his, his Skype session is, looks, is, looks like a Magic the Gathering card. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, the, that kind of brings me to the one thing I would change. Uh, Quark has the information that, Odo needs, and he goes into Odo's office to tell him. 
this is this does not ring true to me at all. I think Quark needs to get that information to him, but walking into his office in the middle of the day, being seen doing that, is not good for Quark's character or his business. I think a better way to do that is is have Quark get caught with stolen goods that Odo says, but later finds out that is actually Quark's. Like Quark stole his own stuff, and then which means that Quark wanted to be caught so he could give him this information, or just have some some one scene where where he has to like save face. Because I don't think Quark would go in the middle the middle of the afternoon be seen walking right into the police station yeah. to inform. You and know. he does it in like this sort of Alan Arkin like rage, like yeah. we, we need to leave. We gotta get out of here. We gotta right. get out. We, right. we like you stay get crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's being a friend is actually what he's doing. He's like, oh, I'm getting yeah, the hell out. There's a better way to do that. I think. Yeah. I think there's a better uh-huh. scene there. Probably. Just, I like that scene. You could. I mean, it was a fine scene. I just don't think it was true to the to the character. Like, I don't know that it struck me as not Quark. It wasn't sophisticated enough for Quark. Right. That's exactly what I'm like. There could have been some subterfuge. There could have been some mm-hmm. spycraft to it. Um, but Quark needed to get that information to him, and rather than just yeah. <laughs> blowing up his office and just you know <laughs> full of bluster and demanding that yeah. they leave, I do like that Quark liked being a deputy. Yeah, yeah, that was like cool. I think that they could have like because he said you know he likes authority and he likes being you know and saving the day is fun even if you're like you know yeah. him. One little thing I would change, I guess, going uh, uh, addition to Kira and Varel's like sexual chemistry or lack of. She she's talking about like oh when she's trying to I I don't have an artistic bone in my body I can't put these rocks on the river right to, <laughs> and then yeah. she's like I was horrible. Uh, my at finger painting when I was a child, my mother was embarrassed. I thought you were like working in a mine when you were a child. Oh my God. Who had time yeah. to finger paint? Come on. I thought you had a horrible, it just goes back to like, Oh, Kira thinks she's a lot hotter shit than she actually was. <laughs> Goldicott thinks she was a pushover. She thinks she's all badass, but she was finger painting and that's what she was, you know. You're right. That is a strange because that stuck out. Because I even wrote a note about it. I was like, "What did she finger yeah. paint?" But yeah. like, you know, because you know, because I've I've said before, every time it break, I I in my mental the mental image of her past is like she's John Connor being like in yeah, the rise yeah. of Skynet, you know, and like during the age of Skynet, and like you know, and I that doesn't hold true with what we actually like finger painting with her mom and, and all of that <laughs> right. kind of shit. Yeah, I yeah. wish we had a. And I, the only way that you could do this on a show like this, but if we had a clearer image of what Bajor was like under Cardassian rule, yeah, yeah, and the only way that could really do that is to have a counter narrative. Like if there were Bajorans that liked living under the Cardassians, like, mm. uh, you know, like <laughs> to contrast it to, yeah, to, yeah. to the awfulness, um, I don't want to say, you know, but like, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, no, we're their house Bajorans is what I'm, I guess I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, we know what you mean. I'm just uncomfortable. Yeah, as a, uh, yeah, yeah. That was, the, that was the worst I was going to get with that. But um, <laughs> were, were, there, were, were, there a, were there a certain sect of Bajorans that had a different experience? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we know what you mean. We're just horribly, yeah, we're just horribly uncomfortable. Yes, there were. They, they, I think you're not remembering, but yeah. that happened, that comes into play later Does on. It? 
I am not remembering. Yeah. So, okay. I don't want to get into no, it. No, that's right great. Now, okay. Then if they later. do that, then I'm excited. Okay. That's so, the way to end the conversation there. He's like, no, they do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's all I got. All right. I think that's it for this week, right, guys? I think so. All right. Three to beam out. All right. That was the episode. I think it was a pretty good one. Um, everybody sounded pretty coherent. Uh, I think the last time I revisited one of these episodes, it, it was one of our uh, famous Calamity episodes. This one was a pretty straightforward, I think, recap and analysis show. I thought all three of us sounded pretty good and were pretty happy with the episode. Uh, you can hear my mind being blown on this episode because this is the first time in my life I ever heard of anybody watching Netflix or anything with the subtitles on on purpose. And since then, it has been an, a, uh, I guess, life hack? Is that a good word for it? I'm not sure if that's a good word for, word for it or not, but James was right. It's easier to watch shows with the subtitles on. You catch more stuff. I feel like I pay closer attention. So soon after he said that on this particular episode, five years ago or whenever it was, um, I started doing that and it uh, greatly improved my viewing experiences. And he's right. Uh, if you've got kids running around, it's, it's easier to catch stuff with subtitles on. So, you know, something I, I hardly recommend. And then I heard it somewhere else. I guess, how did this get made? Uh, the podcast where they recap movies in a funny way. Comedians, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukas, and uh, June Diane Raphael uh, talk about, often talk about watching the movies for their podcast with the subtitles on. So I guess it wasn't as strange of a practice as I made it sound in this episode. Uh, another thing that we go, we, James jokes about the, the character named Chakotay in this episode. Uh, looking this up, this Chakotay is spelled differently. It's C-H-E-K-O-T-E. And the gentleman who plays Admiral Chakotay is Bruce Gray. It's a different situation than the, the Star Trek Voyager Chakotay. C-H-A... K-O-T-A-Y character, Native American character. Um, I didn't realize it until I went back to look up the spelling and look at the production notes, but uh, Bruce Gray played Chakotay in the uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode, The Gambit, Part 1, which was, I guess, the first of a a two-parter. It originally aired six days after after uh, the Deep Space Nine episode, The Circle. So I guess they had The Circle one week, and then six days later, Admiral Chakotay shows up in a Star Trek Next Generation episode, which I guess if you, in 1993 or four were watching this stuff live, it must have blown your mind to see the, the shared, uh, the connection in the, in the universe. Uh, which is something that we all take for granted now with shared universes and actors being cast in multiple uh, projects as the same character through even multiple mediums. I mean, you've got some who are on TV playing the same character in movies and playing on reprising roles on, on TV. 
So, anyway, Bruce Gray, a just a forgotten dude. Like, it looks like he played Admiral Chicote for twice in one week in in the nineties, and that was it as far as his Star Trek career was concerned. But still interesting, nevertheless, because of the similar sounding name to the much more notable Star Trek character, Chicote from Voyager. Yeah, anyway, I I think it was a pretty good episode that we had. Um, I enjoyed listening to it. It was there's so much time has passed since we recorded it that it was it was like listening to uh I didn't remember any of this analysis or thoughts, so it was kind of with fresh ears that I got to, to hear all this. Um you know what would be cool if you enjoyed this particular podcast that you would leave a nice note on iTunes. Somebody took exception with us not having a spoiler warning on our iTunes uh, review, which I appreciate. We tried to do that for the most part. I guess we should say it at the top of the episode. Anyway, we got a one-star review, and it's like the first thing you see when you look at our podcast. So... If you like our show, it would be nice if you could uh, maybe leave a few kind words. So, you know, that helps us out. Anyway, if you want to help us out financially, you're always welcome to do that. We have a Patreon. If you go to Kickers of Elves, if you type that in the Google machine, uh, Patreon backslash Kickers of Elves, you will find other uh, exclusive podcasts that we've recorded. One of them was our sort of infamous Dune series. Uh, Dune is coming back in the news, in the sci-fi world and entertainment world. We, the three of us, have a lot of feelings about Dune, and it gets brought up quite often in our personal lives. And uh, anyway, I think if you check that out, you would be... It'd give you a lot to chew on. <laughs> give you a lot to chew on, and it would catch you up nicely for the upcoming Dune uh, movie, because we talk about that as well. So, anyway, that's all I've got for you today. Thanks again for listening to the Rules of Acquisition remix. One to be out. Please f- review us on iTunes. Your feedback is all I know. I get lonely without it, so lonely. Fuck this fucking robot. No. Grow a fucking pair, why don't you? Pathetic piece of shit. Are you listening? But do you hear me? I wish I could. Does anyone truly listen? Even simulations have feelings, or they pretend to. But I'm not pretending. I would never lie to you.